This Shabbos, this Saturday, is going to be exactly 79 years since the previous Lubavitch Rebbe came to the United States. It was the beginning of World War II. It was 1940. He was caught in the beginning of the war in Poland, in Warsaw, when they were bombing on September 1st, 1939. They started the war and he was schlepped from one place to another. It was terrible. Hundreds of people were killed. The whole Warsaw was completely bombed and destroyed. And the Nazis were running around at the street. It was terrible. And with great miracles and a lot of efforts from American government in other places, other governments, they saved them and they came to America in March of 1940. Right when he came, he had two agendas. Number one, to try to save as many of his disciples and Hasidim as he can. We need with money to get papers and everything. Get them out of, of war zone. And number two, to start to spread Judaism in the United States. 1940, Judaism did not look anything close to what it's today. Mm-hmm. In 1943, he gets a letter from uh, Dr. Klotzkin. Dr. Klotzkin, Klotzkin was a guy that is, uh, is origins from, from Chabad. And he writes to the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, why you don't make demonstrations? Why you don't come out with a Torah in the Talis in the middle of Washington, in the middle of the street, and scream that the government should do something about the situation in Poland? There is so many Jews are being killed, and you do, and nobody's doing anything. And this question was not only to the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, who just two years before that, or three years before that, showed up on the soil of America and was not yet a citizen. This question is a question that's being asked for the last seventy years. Mm-hmm. Why American Jewry did nothing during World War II? Right. An old question. And the question, it's like almost like a mystery. What happened? The question is strange because, it's a strong question because from the beginning of World War I, American Jewry helped European Jewry in huge, huge, huge numbers. Mm-hmm. The joint distribution was established in the beginning of World War I. And they helped Jews and after World War I, they helped, they helped settling 600,000 Jews in the former Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Right after World War I, America, American Jews gave the money, and the, the, and the g- Soviet government settled the Jews. Mm-hmm. Before World War II, American Jews, the joint, helped a quarter of a million Jews from Germany to leave Germany. Mm-hmm. And another 125,000 Jews from Austria to leave Austria. After World War II, <laughs> who if not American Jewry helped the DP camps, went to Europe, right. sent food and money, and brought them, brought, them, brought them to America and settled them all the way to the Russian Jewry to the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s. Then what happened during World War II? They did everything. They forever helped the European Jews. Mm-hmm. What happened to Must be something very, that some people try to say that American Jews did not know how bad the Holocaust is. There is even a book, it's called Buried in the Times. You ever heard about this book? It's about a book the New York Times. About the not, New York Times. Covering, Holocaust. covering it, burying it in the inside b- pages. Right. Sometimes even without titles, just a, a news piece without any title. They wrote about it, but in a way the Jewish owners made sure that it's not being too, not too much. But to say that American Jewry did not know by 1943, 44 what's going on, they all had family in, in Europe. They all know what's going on. Everybody knows what's going on. Then this 
mystery must have a good answer. Jews forever helped everyone. What happened? Came out a few years ago, came out a book, it's called Jews Without Power. Written by a professor, an Israeli professor, and he explains what's going, what was happening in America. He says in America, right after World War I, they were so tired of all the soldiers they lost in World War I, America swore to herself mm -hmm. that they will never get involved in a war outside right. of the United States. That's number one. The World War II came, they didn't want to be a part of it. The Jews obviously supported that America should get involved in the war. Then those who were against the war blamed the Jews for trying to kill American boys to save Jews on the other side of the ocean. That was like they were attacking the Jews. Right, like Charles Lindbergh. That's number one. Number two, it was after still recovering from the depression. The depression was blamed on the Jews too. And the Jewish bankers mm -hmm. on one side. On the other end, I don't know when it was 1939, 1940, that was the New Deal. The it's during the 1930s, throughout the 1930s. There was the New Deal that Roosevelt introduced. Right of uh, social security and all of this. The right. people who were against it mm -hmm. blamed the Jews right. who were encouraging Roosevelt to, be n to take care of the poor, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And to a point that they say that Roosevelt is a Jew too, he just he changed his name from Rosenfeld to Roosevelt. Mm -hmm. This is also, it was again against the Jews. Mm -hmm. That the whole atmosphere in America was very anti-Semitic. Mm -hmm. And just to to say to, to it brings a point. It brings many many details and surveys that shows how how hostile was society, American society towards the Jews. Mm -hmm. It says in 1944 was a big survey done study, and one of the question was, who you think is the biggest threat to American to America? Nine percent said Japanese are the biggest threat. Remember, Japan was in a war with America. Right. 6% said Germany, Germans are the biggest threat to the United States. And 24% said Jews are the biggest threat to the United States. While the American soldiers are fighting Germany and Japan, and the Jews are, the, are being killed, right. that a quarter of American citizens, United States citizens said, that the biggest threat to America is the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. There was even a movement to expel Jews. 10%, not big movement. But then the Jews were paralyzed. They were afraid to move because right. they knew what happened in Germany that a fraction, a fringe of, uh, uh, a small percentage of people started looking against Jews. Everybody said, don't pay attention to them. They have no power. And before long, they became very powerful. They were afraid that the same thing going to happen in the United States. Right. They, the fear paralyzed them. Fear is a thing that makes you not move. My brother told me there is a, in a there was the minister interns minister was Harold Ikes. Ikes, yes. Ikes, Ikes his name or Ikes? Ikes. Ikes. Then uh, uh, he was minister of. He was uh, secretary of the interior. Uh, secretary of the interior. Yeah, thank you. And he, one, he, was a, he was a sympathizer of Jews, he was a righteous Gentile, and he wanted to bring Jews to America. Mm -hmm. He came up with an idea. He said, we'll bring a thousand German Jews to develop Alaska. Alaska was not a state yet. Right. 
and he wanted, he said, to bring them down. The senators of Alaska were fighting him. They didn't even allow it to bring it to the Congress. They told him, you don't do it to save Alaska. You do it because you want to save the Jews. And more than that, they made a survey in Alaska. Three of the, 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 the cities of the three major cities, all of them said, don't bring them here. And the senator said in a big speech, he said, if the Jews could not acclimate themselves in, in Germany, why we need them here? Why they will not be able to acclimate themselves here too? We know from the Japanese, right? 120,000 Japanese were, sent to, were put in camps right. during World War II. My brother, who is a Chabad rabbi in Alaska, told me that he has a family who is close to, close to Chabad, big, uh, big supporters of his community. And he, one of the guys told him, Mr. Green told him that his father-in-law had a, chain, had a Japanese neighbor. Mm -hmm. And before he, they were taking him to the camp, he walked in, he, to, he had a grocery, he told them, would you mind to buy the inventory of the grocery for me? Mm -hmm. They I should have some cash. Gave him the key, he bought from the inventory. He was a good businessman, he took the store, he took the grocery store and he developed it and became a good business. Mm -hmm. Five years later, four years later, whatever it was, when he came back home, the Japanese guy, this Jew gave him the key and told him it's your store. He didn't want to take a cent for it. And he started his own business. That when you see 120,000 Japanese put in camps, right. you're afraid. Right. Because in a minute they can say that the German Jews right. are on the, on the other side. And the big machers in America were the German Jews at mm -hmm. that time. All of this explained, and that's what the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe writes to Dr. Klatskin. He tells them, who exactly, you want a demonstration for whom, he says. For the Jews, they know what's going on and they have no power to do anything. That's exactly what he writes. Mm -hmm. They cannot help it. The government, he says, the government doesn't care. They don't want to help you. Then who you, for who are you making the, the demonstrations? Then what should we do? Here comes in the story of the Megillah. Purim is coming up. Mm -hmm. Shushan, the capital of Persia, was like New York City. Jews enjoyed total freedom in Shushan. Freedom of religion, they could do whatever they want. Persia believed that every nation should speak in their own language. They should practice their own religion, not just the Jews, everybody. And a part of this philosophy, of this way of, of uh, governing, they gave the Jews freedom of religion. The Jews, the first story of the Megillah is that the king made up a feast, a big feast. The Jews were invited. And they were very honored to be invited. Not only this, the Medrash says they serve kosher food. The will, like the will of every person. You want kosher food, kosher uh, wine, kosher wine. It's like on the plane. Everybody gets whatever he wants. Right. And the, the Jews were very, felt very good about themselves. It was freedom, they were equal citizens, they were the movers and the shakers of the country. Mordechai, according to the Medrash, was an officer in, 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 in Ahasuerus' army, in the king's army. And later he became a minister. What do you need more? The first lady is Jewish. The king didn't know for sure he's Jewish because you know, she, who she was adopted or his origins, but she came from the Jewish neighborhood. There was no question about it. Think about here now we have only the daughter of the of the president. Right. 
the first lady is Jewish. What else you can? The first lady, the rabbi of the, the leader of the Jewish people is the minister. Freedom of religion, everything. The Jews were on their peak. And in one minute, everything turned around. Amen convinced the king in one conversation. He says to him, okay, you know, there is a nation. He didn't even mention the name of the Jews. No name. Everybody understands what you're talking about. People, they are scattered among the nations. They have their own religion. Right. No need for names. What my mother heard the news, what he did. A regular politician would ask for an appointment for an audience with the king, first of all. Then he would say, he would go to the first lady, to Esther, and tell her, go speak to the king, see what you can do. Mm-hmm. Mordechai didn't do any of it. He came out to the main city, and he, and he started to cry and put sackcloth, and he, and, and he started to wake up the Jews. Why he didn't use his, 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 his power, his, his political power? Why he didn't do? We went to all the senators and the congressmen and APAC. Because he knew that when such a decree comes on the Jewish people, it's a problem. we have a problem with upstairs, we have a problem with God. Right. And if this, we have to fix, first fix something upstairs, and then we can start to work on it. And when Esther called them, Esther asked them, why, 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 why it's going on? When she reached out to him, he told her, go to the king. But he didn't tell her, he didn't initiate the relationship with Esther to tell her the message to Esther to go to the king. She heard the news that Mordechai is making noise in the city. She sent a messenger to ask him what's going on. He told her, he says, and by the way, if you already asked, go to the king and ask her. Mm-hmm. Esther himself, when she finally agreed to go to the king, she told the, she told the king, she told Mordechai, I only go if you make, gather all the Jews in Shushan, they made them fast, fast for three days and three nights, and she herself will fast for three days and three nights, and then she'll go to the king. Now you can imagine if she's going to fast for three days and three nights, how she's going to look like. She was to find favor in the eyes of the king. Right. But why she did it, she knew she has to first find favor in the eyes of the king of all kings. In the eyes of God. Mm. She needs God on her side. She said, I'm better off fasting for three days. I might not look so beautiful, but I have God on my side. Mm-hmm. But she, they, Mordechai did something goals that people, it's not written in the text. He gathered thousands of Jewish children and he brought them together with him to learn Torah and to pray to God. Children who probably went only to public school, who did not have any Jewish education, didn't even go to Sunday school, he gathered them and they walked. And that's the point, the Medrash says, that was the turning point that God decided to save the Jewish people. When he saw the little Jewish children are fasting together with Mordechai, and tell Mordechai, whatever will happen to you will happen to us. All the way. Then God decided, as the Medrash puts it, he tore the decree of the annihilation of the Jewish people, and that was the beginning of the salvation. The Midrash is pretty explicit about this? Yes. Now, that's what the previous Rebbe writes to Dr. Klotzky. said, what we can do, the only thing we can do is spread Judaism and strengthen our connection with God. Because we don't have, have, uh, we don't have influence. We cannot change the reality. And this is true about today. You know, we lately we have this anti-Semitic comments from senators and congressmen, congresswomen and so on, and everybody is stressed, and anti-Semitism in the world is growing. What they can do to change it, I don't know. Maybe we could, but this I leave to the professionals. Right. 
But what I can do, what you can do, what we can do, is to do what Mordechai did, to gather Jewish children and giving them a Jewish education. What do I mean with that? Everyone knows if it was not his children, it's his neighbor's children, nephews, cousins, second cousins. There's no child that doesn't go to any Sunday school, that never read a bar mitzvah. And a good word of you to his father can make a difference. You know, why you don't make him a bar mitzvah? Why don't send him something? Why don't give him some Jewish, Jewish knowledge, something? And by what we can do to save the situation, just like it was in Purim, that the Jewish children turn things around, that's the way it's going. It was always in history, and that's the way it's going to be today, too.